guys, welcome to Young Adults Tuesday Night. Um, as you can tell, we're kind of set up a little different. And uh, if you're new here, we do this every, every, gosh, maybe month and a half or something. I just believe that circles are better than rows. And we love to just, you know, be able to sing where we can hear our own voices. Um, I was at uh, uh, an event on Saturday and uh, we were singing hymns and there was just a piano and a room full of people. And it was so awesome to get to just like worship and hear each other's voices. And sometimes technology is a good thing, but sometimes it like drowns out being able to hear each other sing. And so, you know, being able to see each other and just, man, it does my heart good. I hope it's a blessing to you guys too. Um, Welcome. Thanks uh, for coming this evening. Uh, We got a lot going on, as Zoe talked about. Uh, We got a lot going on this season. So definitely stay plugged into our Instagram uh, we'll have, you know, all the stuff up on there so you know what's going on. It's um, Crossroads underscore Young Adults, at Crossroads underscore Young Adults. Um, follow us there. We also have a podcast if you missed part of the, the series or want to go back and hear some earlier messages. You can go to, um, it's just Young Adult Messages. It's on all the platforms. You can check it out. And uh, a great way to stay in the know also. Um, we've been in this series called Carols. And uh, what we're kind of doing, a little different than the typical, like, holiday, you know, prep for Christmas, is we're taking a different carol each uh, week, and we're kind of, you know, looking at and pulling out some truths from it to kind of encourage us. And the idea here is that, you know, when, because I'm, I'm totally guilty of this, you know, when it's Christmas season, I kind of turn my brain off, and I'm singing the carols, and I almost don't even know what I'm saying, and um, it's helpful, at least for me, to go in and, like, look at these and see what they're saying and see the theology that's there and really be able to kind of chew on it and get something out of it because, and, and this actually happened to me, I was at a different event in Colorado Springs, we were, we were singing Christmas carols, and one of the ones that we, I think it was Oh Holy Night, came up and I was singing it, and I was totally, I was like, oh, yeah, we talked about this one, and, that, and I kind of was thinking about our conversation that we had about it. So um, speaking of Old Holy Night, that was like a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we talked about how a day with Jesus can change the world, and it did, um, and that Jesus wants to change our lives, and that's why he came. Um, we looked at, oh, come all ye faithful, and... Um, we talked about, like, uh, I don't even know if this singer-songwriter was even talking to me because I really don't feel faithful or triumphant or joyful. Um, but thank God Jesus doesn't leave us there. And actually, he can give us that joy. He can give us um, courage to be triumphant. Um, so tonight, obviously, we're going to talk about a way in a manger. And when I saw this one, I was kind of, like, not super excited about it because it's, it's um, you know, I don't know. I, I, we, I remember singing this song you know, as a kid, but I don't, I don't know that I sing it a whole lot as an adult, and, uh, you know, so I was like, I don't know about this one, but as I started to look into it, I was like, just, this is, this is a heavy, heavy, um, kind of a punch in the gut kind of message, you know, um, not for me to you, okay, I'm not punching anybody in the gut, but um, it's gonna, be, it's gonna get, uh, it's going to get real in here tonight, and uh, maybe we'll talk, we'll call this a family talk, um, and I hope that you guys have some good conversation in your small groups. So, 
Um, just to get kind of some of the, the background about this song out of the way, uh, it was actually first introduced uh, through a public, uh, or sorry, published in a Lutheran Sunday school curriculum in 1885. Seems like that's like when a lot of the carols that we sing these days are, were written in like the 1800s. Anyway, um, there's kind of some mystery around who wrote it. They don't really know who wrote it. Scholars kind of debate. But there's no mystery around, you know, its popularity over the years and, and um as I was kind of digging into the song, it, it flipped my preconceived notions um, completely upside down because I think it has built into it this really, really, really deep, powerful message. And it's so easy to miss. And I totally missed it. And so um, I'm excited to talk about this with you. Something about the picture of God stripping himself of all of his glory and his divinity and stepping into time and space and being born in the lowest possible place, showing us that none of us are too low for him. This is a captivating scene. It defies our, our imagination even if we, and I, I hear this point made often, but it's so true. If we... You know, we're to think up how would God, infinite, timeless, enter into time and space? How would he come? He would come, you know, and, and you could you could put whatever story you want there, right? We we would assume this God of the universe would come in this way that's like mind blowing. And yet he, he didn't. He stepped into our world in the lowest means the the most humble scene and and um, I don't know I've just been really chewing on that this week and and I think um, it's important for us to think about this tonight we're going to focus on a phrase I just want to read through the first stanza of the song away in a manger no crib or bed the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head we're going to focus on the phrase, the little Lord Jesus, tonight. We're going to kind of focus in on that because there's, there's this huge juxtaposition right here in this phrase that is just massive. What's so unique about this carol, before we jump into that, is that um, the songwriter holds almost just matter-of-fact Jesus' divinity and his humanity right there. Right there, the little Lord Jesus. Okay, Lord is a word that we kind of throw around in churches and, and we don't talk about it a ton. We don't really like kind of explain what it means or really really dig into the importance of Jesus as Lord. And um, this, this song, we see this phrase three different times in the song, the little Lord Jesus. And the song puts that word Lord right next to the word little. Can you imagine that? We, I think the, the funny question I asked last week was like, did Jesus have dirty diapers or something like that? And, and it's like, it's like that's, a, that's, a, that's a thing to think about, right? The Lord Jesus was an infant and was born. This songwriter, he holds Jesus' divinity and his humanity perfectly matter-of-fact in every phrase of this song, every line of the song. And if you really just pause and read it, it's like he laid down his sweet head. The God of the universe 
laid down his sweet head. Um, it's just mind-blowing. But instead of focusing on, um, you know, the size of the baby, what I want to focus on this evening is the lordship of Christ. We're going to talk about that a little bit, kind of focus in on that. Um, the lordship of Christ. Jesus is Lord is found in the New Testament over 140 times. We're going to look really quickly at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 12. If you want to turn there in your Bible, we'll also have it up on the screen. Verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. It's interesting that the, um, this is the first recorded time in the New Testament where Jesus is called Lord. And the angels revealed this groundbreaking, history-changing time-altering truth to shepherds. We were sharing uh, um, as a staff of like the different parts of the Christmas story that really impacted us. And somebody shared about the fact that, you know, the, the, the shepherds were like the lowest of the low. It was like the worst, you know, career you could have in ancient Egypt, or not ancient Egypt, but ancient Israel. And um, the shepherds were like the lowest of the low. And yet that's who the angels revealed this like crazy huge news to was to the shepherds. I think that's beautiful. But I want to ask the question tonight, what does it mean, what does it mean to us in our daily lives that Jesus is Lord? What does the fact that Jesus is Lord mean for us in, in um, how you go about your day, your work, uh, maybe in marriage or relationship or in finals? You guys getting ready for those, right? Uh, or, or taking some already or finished up or whatever it is in your school. Um, maybe you're buying Christmas presents, right? What does it mean that Christ is Lord for us? Uh, the word that we find in, in the Greek is kurios, and uh, it means supreme in authority controller. If Jesus is the controller, then he has some competition in us, right? For me, definitely. In fact, if I go back and I look at my life, like the thing that I struggled to surrender was my own control over my life. I ran from God's purposes for 20 years and, uh, and just fought tooth and nail to, to not relinquish my own control over my life. I said, God, okay, I see that you're there. I was, I was a fan, right? But I wasn't a follower. I knew he was there. I, I like went to church and I had all the good justifications and I said, hey, on my terms, I'll come to you. I was in control. And if Jesus is the controller, then there's, there's some battling going on there. I don't know if you guys have experienced that for yourselves. And I don't want to get um, too much into the weeds here yet, but I do want to make a point. We do not make Jesus Lord. 
That's not something that we have the power to do. In fact, God established Jesus' lordship ages ago. We do not make him Lord. All we can do is surrender to his lordship. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight. I love the song, Surrender. I love the concept, the idea, the challenge in surrender. We're going to talk about surrendering our lives to Christ this evening. First, I want to talk about the partially surrendered life. The partially surrendered life. And unfortunately, I think this is probably where most Christians are. A lot of people, they come to church on the weekends and, um, you know, they're, they're singing the songs. Maybe they're thinking about everything that's going on outside of here and then they leave and, you know, life gets busy and, and, and uh, everything happens. But the, the crazy thing is, is they, they may cry, Lord, Lord, but their lives don't reflect Christ. In other parts of the world where uh, persecution, you know, uh, when I was in my, my uh, graduate studies, we had to read a bunch of books about, you know, what causes church growth. And over and over and over, what we saw is that persecution causes church growth. And I think that's partly why here in America the church has shrank so much is because we got it easy. We got it easy. In fact, we come in here and we put it on cruise control. A lot of us, I'm guilty of it too. The partially surrendered life. There's a book by um, Craig Groeschel called The Christian Atheist. Awesome book title. But he's talking about people that acknowledge God is real. They acknowledge that he's there with their lips, but in their lives he doesn't exist. The Christian Atheist. Luke 6, 46 says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you do not do what I say? Why do you give me this lip service? I believe Jesus is Lord, but I want to be in control. And sometimes it's, it's so easy to get caught up in that. And, and I did for so many years. I, I um, would read that, you know, God wants me to surrender my future to him. And it's like, nope, not, not on my terms, on my terms. And God's saying, surrender your finances. And I'm like, nope, I'm in charge. God says he wants us to trust him with our relationships. We put the relationship first. God wants us to surrender to him. Now, I know a lot of you guys are probably about to walk out of here because you think I'm about to get struck by lightning. <laughs> But think about this. What did I tear up? I tore up paper and words and, and ink. Paper and ink. But we rip up God's truth every day when we don't live for him. We rip this up. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, 
and then don't do what I say. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6. Um, this is a special version called the partially, separate, uh, partially surrendered version. I'm just going to read it to you really quickly. Trust in the Lord with some of your heart and lean on your own understanding. In some of your ways, acknowledge him and you can make your own path straight. That, that was like my plan for 20 years. That was, that was, that, that met every justification that I had for how I was living my life. It's like it was on my terms that I would come to God. Jesus is not a part-time Lord. And he doesn't want part-time followers. He says, if you want a relationship with me, you have to take up your cross. He says, if you want a a relationship with me, if you want life, you have to surrender it. We're like, God, keep me out of hell, but let me do whatever the hell I want. So maybe, maybe we just need to ask ourselves, like, what is the area of my life that I've not surrendered, that I've not given over to God? What's that area? What's that thing that you gripped onto and held onto for so long and refused to let go? And God is there. He's just saying, look, I I just want to be everything to you. I just want to be your everything. I want to challenge you this evening to think about it hard and um, to call it, to call it out. For me, it was control. That was a thing that I refused to let go for so many years, was control. I wanted to be in control. I, I, I had to be in control of every aspect of my life. And, and I think it was probably because if I relinquished control, I felt vulnerable and I felt like, you know, I was out of control, obviously. You know, maybe it's your future. Maybe um, you know that God's calling you to something and you're just not willing to go there yet, or maybe it's scary, it's, it's this thing that's huge, or maybe it's not huge at all, maybe, maybe that's the other side of it, right, maybe you thought um, your, your vocation was going to be this something, and, and God's calling you to this other thing, and, and it's just not, it's just not there. We talk about lordship during the holidays. It's really hard not to think about, you know, honoring him as Lord in all that we, we buy and, and the things that we do and, and materialism and things and wanting things. And, and uh, you know, accepting that God wants us to be good stewards of the resources that he's given us. Jesus is no part-time savior. He doesn't want part-time followers. So I want to switch directions here really quick and talk about the fully surrendered life. Full on, nothing held back, everything surrendered. Romans 14, 7 through 8 tells us that none of us lives for ourselves alone and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. 
So whether we live or die, we belong to God. We belong to God. I think about um, when I was getting engaged. Um, I was a single dude. Uh, saved up as much as I could to purchase this ring for Jessa. And, um, and when I gave it, I offered it freely. Didn't cost her anything. But it cost me everything. And as we entered into marriage, marriage cost us both everything, right? We surrendered to each other. We belonged to each other. And I think that's where this whole idea of persecution is, is big because when you're willing to die for something, you know that you're surrendered to it. When you're willing to die for someone, you know that you're surrendered to them. And I think, I think we go a long time without ever having to really say, would I die for Christ? Fully surrendered. And that gift is offered by Christ freely. He's offered, offered that gift freely. And as we receive it, we, we relinquish our rights to our own lives. I had a prof in, in my undergrad. He said, when Christ calls a man or woman, he bids them come and die. And I certainly found that to be true as I uh, pursued Christ and I was pursuing him for the first time in my life. It was a matter of um, dying every single day to myself. In pursuit and surrender. So let's go back. Proverbs um, 3, 5 through 6, the fully surrendered version. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Um, they taught us in Bible school to look for superlatives and, and absolute words and um, that doesn't say trust in the Lord with some of your heart. It says trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Submit to him or some versions say acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. This word submit or acknowledge is um, in the Hebrew is yada. And it means to know deeply, intimately it actually is used a lot in the Old Testament. Um, one place it's used to describe the way that Adam knew Eve and, and the way that Eve knew Adam, right? That intimate knowledge and understanding. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? I think this is the foundation of surrender is knowing Christ, getting so close and getting so vulnerable that we know him. I think that is the, the heart and the root of a truly surrendered life. We're going to um, listen to a really, really, really old sermon. Um, just a couple of minutes long. Uh, the actual real sermon was like an hour. Um, and I highly recommend if you get a chance, go listen to it. Uh, but this guy, Dr. S.M. Lockridge, spoke about Christ in such a way that you could tell Christ was his Lord and it oozed out of his being. Check out this video. 
The Bible says my king is the king of the Jews. He's the king of Israel. He's the king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. I wonder do you know him. My king is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's imperially powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He's unparalleled. He's unprecedented. He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleans the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meek. I wonder if you know him. He's a key to knowledge. He's a wellspring of wisdom. He's a doorway of deliverance. He's a pathway of peace. He's a roadway of righteousness. He's a highway of holiness. He's a gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous. And his yoke is easy. And his burden is light. That's my king. That's my Lord. So, um, there's a huge difference between calling Jesus Christ Lord and surrendering to his lordship. And I just want to ask you um, to think deeply about this tonight. Where are you? Are you in that um, fully surrendered place right now? Are you saying yes without Strings attached to Christ, to everything he points and brings into your life. You're just saying, yes, 
Lord, I, I, t- send me. Send me wherever you want to go. Or is there that thing that we're just holding on to? Fully surrendered or partially surrendered? We're going to jump into small group. Let me just pray for us. Father, <laughs> thank you for your word. Because through it, that's how we know who you are. I think about probably how the Pharisees felt when you busted into the temple and flipped over tables. They probably were wide-eyed gasping, did Jesus Christ just come in and defile the temple? And he says, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do what I say? God, maybe this is, this is rough for us to hear. And God, I know It was convicting for me, and I pray that it was for everyone in here, God, because I know, I know that you desire for us to need you for the very breath that we breathe, that our heartbeat beats only for you. we would sacrifice ourselves, our lives, our bodies, not for salvation, right? You've given that to us, and it's a free gift, but that that is the only appropriate, the only proper response to the gift that you've given is a living sacrifice. And I bring that sacrifice in myself and lay it at your altar and lay it at your feet and offer it up worship to my Lord. I pray that for each person here, God. Help us to lean into this and think deep and hard. We just love you. In Jesus' name.